I kind of always knew that's what I was going to do as a child. I don't know why. It seemed glamorous to me. I knew that I was struggling in business and other people were making, were doing well in this business. And I had to figure out on my own why and how and what to do. And NARSA really put me into the place where I could meet peers and learn from them. Hi, I'm Mark Taylor. I'm co-host of Solder and Soot, back with another episode of our uh, of our podcast. I'm Bobby Duran, president of NARSA IDEA and co-host of Solder and Soot. And I'm really looking forward to our guest today, Mr. Don Hart of uh, from Texas of Hart, Hart Radiator. Yeah, you know, I met Don probably back in the late 80s. And, you know, we've had a long history of, uh, you know, he was on the, the board. He was a uh, national president of NARSA. He's been in this business, I know, much longer than I was in the business. And, uh, you know, he probably was running around in diapers uh, in a radiator shop someplace. So welcome, Don. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Yeah. No, my children were running around in diapers in the shop. I didn't. <laughs> glad glad to be here guys glad to be here well we're we're so happy that uh that you could join us don what is your earliest exposure to the radiator business well you know i guess i was probably eight or nine years old my dad was still had to shop in houston we lived out in the country he had the family had moved out there before i was born and i would go in on saturdays with him teach me how to sweep straighten fins kind of get me exposed to the shop atmosphere uh when he retired and sold out to my brother john in i guess 69 um he opened a shop up out here at his house uh in 71 and that's where i really started about age 12 of being the vat boy straightening fins scrubbing tanks we didn't have sandblasters back then we we scrubbed tanks with wire brush and muriatic acid to clean them so uh, I, that's what I did. That was my exposure to the radiator business. Yeah, the, 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 the biggest thing that I was taught when I was a kid was how to sweep. I was going to say, has that carried over to the present day? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I, always, I always say that the best, way to, the best way to clean up your shop is to have a NARSA event there, and then you'll have the cleanest shop right before. Yes. <laughs> yeah, everything's freshly painted and... So, uh, so your your dad's in the business. He sells he sells out to your to your brother, and you guys are in the country now. And he opens up another shop, and you're working with him now. You're 12 years old. When when did you did you, you started fixing radiators? Then at some point, did I mean you're no, finishing school? He what? He, I actually was driving delivery for him at age 14. I didn't have a driver's license, but. You know, when you deliver to the city constable <laughs> at his garage, he's not going to do anything because he wants his radiator. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I really didn't start fixing radiators until, I guess, they put me on the workbench in, in 1977 when I was working for John. I started with him in 76 as a delivery driver, and then they moved me to the bench in 77. Right. So now, now, John's your brother. John is one of my older brothers, yes. Right, yes. right. Okay. So, so now, so now you're, you're working on a bench. Uh, how many years did that last? Uh, that lasted all the way until, man, I guess last time I'd work on the bench was maybe 05, 07. Uh, my guys in the shop won't let me near a torch anymore. <laughs> well, but, uh, um, hold on. Curiously enough, curiously enough, 
there's an organization that was formed in Mark's shop, ERS Radiator. And it was called, it was formed by his employees and it was called Whamgy, Workers Against Mark Getting Involved. Glenn, Glenn, Glenn Bernie Local, uh, I believe Mr. Charles Dorsey and Mr. Chris Rines were the were the leaders of this organization. They so, instigated WAMG, yes. Yeah, Wham, and, and WAMG ran for a while. It was a very interesting organization. All the way up I, until I sold. I, I, yeah, I was I was a big supporter of WAMG, a big supporter of WAMG. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. That so funny. so I know exactly what you're talking about, Don. So um, yeah. Look, let's uh, let's let's go back. So you know, you're fixing radiators for for your brother uh, John, and um, at I mean, at some point, then you make the decision, I guess, to to break off and start Don Hart Radiators, right? Well, yeah, a little prior to that, and I worked for John from '76 to 1981. I went to work for my brother-in-law, uh, who is the owner of East Texas Radiator in Longview, who's still a NARSA member. I uh, worked for him for three years to kind of get a little different feel for, he did a lot of mining work. So kind of get a different different feel for the industry. Uh, and then when Pop was ready to retire his second time, he helped me get started here where I'm at now in Waller, Texas, outside of Houston in 1985. So we actually opened our shop in March of 85 uh this march will be 36 years in the same location wow so now how about how about narsa how about getting involved with narsa what year was that well i got exposed to narsa in 77 or 78 when they had a national convention in houston my brother john uh who was heart radiator at the time was involved with narsa so i've got exposure to it but i really my first NARSA convention was in Las Vegas in 87. And that was my real first e exposure to NARSA as far as being a shop owner and really trying to gain some knowledge and what, what could NARSA do for me right. at that point. Right. So, so at that point, you're in business for a couple of years. You kind of have radiator uh, blood running through the family, it sounds like. And, uh, and now you you go to your uh, your first uh, convention in '87, which that I, was that wasn't the Riviera, was it? It was. I was at that same yes. one. That might have been my first national convention too. <laughs> oh wow! No kidding. My my first my first peer that I met there was Bruce Huffman. God rest his soul. Oh, oh yes. Mr. I, I remember Bruce. I, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I met Bruce for the first time at David's event in uh, in, in Homa. And uh, what a character. I, uh, I I truly enjoyed meeting oh, him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, character is yeah. a real timid word to use on him. <laughs> yeah, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I think he's he could so, probably have been one of those guys that people would have a strong opinion one way or the other. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Exactly. But, any, you know, so that was my first convention and I really wasn't a member. I didn't know really what NARSA was about, but, you know, I'd been in business for two years. We'd struggled and just didn't know what to do. And that's first place I turned was there. And it was a, a godsend for us in the future. Yes, it was. Yeah. And uh, I was going to say now, how many how many years uh, did you uh, did you go home and say, what am I doing in this business? <laughs> 
Well, did you, know, you ever I don't say know. that to yourself? <laughs> yes, in a in a in a in a in a certain way. You know, I kind of grew up in this business, and I'll go back and do some history of our family in this business. But I kind of always knew that's what I was going to do as a child. I don't know why. It seemed glamorous to me. I guess I was an idiot and blind. <laughs> but I knew that I was struggling in business and other people were making, were doing well in this business. And I had to figure out on my own why and how and what to do. And NARSA really put me into the place where I could meet peers and learn from them. I mean, that, that's really what this organization is about is, is you have to be involved. You've got to put interest in it. To get anything out of it once you get involved and you put your time and effort into it good things come back out of it and they did you know I, that's for sure i i was i i totally agree you know i was i'm actually in the process of writing the editorial now for the magazine and and i started listing you know narcissist is significant investment away from just just the 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 fees but you know going to the shows and going to the events and and participating but the best thing I ever got out of it is the ability to call a Mark Taylor, to call a David Bienvenue, to call a Don Hart and say, Hey, you know, how do I do this? How do I, how do I tackle this? Exactly. And that, and, and, and I've only been involved since Oh five. So uh, I, I suppose that was probably similar, you know, back in your day to, to that network yeah. effect. Exactly. You guys have experienced it. You know what I'm talking about. And if I had to say anything to the crowd out there, if you're not involved, get involved because it's the best thing you can do if you're planning on staying in a radiator business. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we couldn't agree, agree more. And Bobby and I talk about this all the time. And I don't know why people uh, don't want to spend time getting to know other people in their industry, because you're, you're living the same life, basically, in a lot of ways, and you have so much in common. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I always felt it refreshing to get together the two, three times. I mean, heck, you know, years ago, I mean, you could go to three or four shows. You go as many shows as you wanted. I think somebody said, Joe McGovern said the other day, like, you know, there's something going on like every week in Narsa somewhere <laughs> around the country, you know? So Yeah, with the hands-on, yeah, exactly. Right, right, right exactly. with the hands-on, right. So, so Don, you get involved. I mean, you start, you start going to NARSA events and how many years did, you know, that information that, that, and the things that you learned from, from rubbing elbows with other people in industry, how many years then did it take to, to kind of like get your business going, do you think, to where you're just like, Hey, you know what, this thing's going along pretty good. I'm, 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 I'm getting to where I want to go and, and I'm making progress. You know, longer than it should have because uh, I have stubbornness in me and <laughs> I want to do it my way. <laughs> so it did take me a while. Uh, it took a while to build up the, the, the peer, the, 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 the camaraderie. Uh, but it's back to what I said. It, it, I had to put effort into it. And the more effort I put into it, the more I got out of it. So you can't just walk in and somebody expect to walk in like, boom, here's all this information here. No, you've got to get the effort in. You've got to get the, the camaraderie going. You've got to make friends and you got to help people. I mean, you've got to help people along the way. When you help somebody, they're going to help you back or somebody else is going to help you back. Just as Bobby alluded earlier. You know, I was, I was, I was saying that, you know, early in my career, you know, as you know, I was 25 years old getting into it. Most of the time, 
I was calling up someone to ask whether it was Mark or, you know, the, the Felius is in, 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 in Winnipeg or David trying to find out, you know, how to do this. But now as I've gone, as I've gone along my career, I'm noticing, you know, people are starting to call me now, which is kind of, it's kind of <laughs> rewarding. And I, and, and I feel privileged to be able to pay that forward right. the way the guys help me and I could help them. And I, I really like it when a guy that I used to ask questions, ask questions of me, because I've become like, if David calls me for anything, anything, I jump and I'm like, I want to try to, you know, Mike, I have a big debit with him in, in, in technical support. So I try to do whatever I can to help him out if it's something that I'm a little stronger in perhaps. So, uh, so yeah, it, that's, that's really a special part of that, that whole camaraderie. So how I, how I built this camaraderie, I had, I kind of got involved. I wanted to get involved with the Southwest region, which, you know, back when we had the six regions. Um, <clears throat> so a couple of guys said, we need some board members. We need some help. So, okay, I'll help. And that's how I really got involved was volunteering my time, becoming a board member in the region and then working our way up to the national board. And I had been in on a board from 80, from, I guess, 91, 89, no, 89, till about 2002 when I had uh, finished serving my time as the uh, past president. So really during that time is when I really met a lot of peers, made a lot of connections. Uh, I did have to leave my shop a lot and travel and that hurt because we were a small, probably two to five man shop depending on the year. So it was difficult, but uh, you know, I, I knew I had to do it and I made it happen. My wife supported me and it has definitely helped us in business today yes well i was gonna i was gonna ask you to talk about your history in narsa a little bit and uh and you know how you got uh you know when you got on the board or started because we had regions what five regions six uh, back six regions okay and uh so that was five in the in the u.s and one in canada is that correct Don? right yep yeah yep and um and so you know i i remember uh uh a particular time when you and I were playing golf in 1999 in Maryland during. <laughs> I remember that. You remember that? And, yes. uh, and so that was, that was the beginning of a tenure for a new executive director that had just been hired. But why don't you tell us about the like previous, <laughs> year year and a half that you went through and what you did for narsa before i ever before before i ever before i ever met don hart or all i heard was your name and these war stories about <laughs> don hart and and running narsa so I'd, I'd like to hear it from the horse's mouth well you know it's back to about a five-man shop so <laughs> i become president in 98 Wayne resigns Halloween night of 98 and oh, we're just now. Yeah. We're, yes, exactly. Nightmare. So, Nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> so my phone is ringing off the wall while trick-or-treaters are coming in and out and my kids are trying to do trick-or-treating and I got doll on one phone. I got Jim Boutita on the other phone. It's like, dude, it's Halloween. Just call talk tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Wayne resigned and um we had a convention coming up in March that next year. We were we were five months out of the convention and no executive director. So I kind of 
pretty much put my business on hold and or my guys just sucked it up because I made no less than six trips to Pennsylvania between then and the convention. And we were still interviewing executive directors because we didn't hire um, uh, Dwyer. Mike Thank Dwyer. you, Mike Dwyer. <laughs> I'm old, guys. See the gray hair? Uh, we I, didn't I, hire him, I, I don't think, know if it's until old the summer. Or, or did you want to put those memories behind you? <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we hired him, I think, either during the convention or just after the convention. So he really had no input in the convention. So no, he it was really up to Eileen, Dolores, and a couple of other girls in the office helped tremendously. But uh, Eileen's the one that pulled that convention off. I mean, it was in Detroit. Um, it was a tremendous convention. We sold out the whole hotel. I think that is was is that when the only... overflow was over in the Ritz Carlton because I that, stayed at the Ritz yes. Carlton in that circle there in Dearborn. Yeah, you stayed in a nice hotel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, been that, a Rich, we, Rich Carlton fan ever since. <laughs> I'm sure you have been. Uh, yes, that was we sold that whole hotel out except for okay, it's one of these war stories. So the president generally would have parties up in his room because he got one of the bigger rooms that the hotel comped the association because we sold so many rooms. So they put a pilots on each side of my room and we're having people up drinks up, you know, loud going on. Uh, Martin calls there. So you know how what the volume was like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we actually got kicked out of our room uh, because of the noise level. <laughs> It's one of those war stories. So quite interesting. Uh, uh, two years of my presidency with uh, a no executive director and one coming in that had no clue of what was going on for about the first six months. Yeah. So I, I remember the first time that I met Dwyer, uh, Mike Dwyer, was in 1999 when we had the Northeast Regional Conference. And that's when you and I played golf. And that was the first time that Dwyer came to an event. Y'all had hired him, but he actually hadn't started working yet. But he come by. He had come by to uh, to meet everybody. Every because he had something to do down in Virginia, and he was on his way through Maryland from Pennsylvania or something. And so he ended up stopping in, introducing himself. He spent a couple of hours there, and then he kept on getting up. So I remember, uh, you know, specifically that that time, and that was the uh, the beginning of of uh, of him starting with uh, with Narsa. Right. So. But um, so now, you know, you uh, so the end of 99, who takes over after you, Don? Jim Butita. OK. All right. So he's VP at the time. You're president. And uh, and Dave. Dahl's Dave Dahl. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Well, very good. And I know that uh, uh, you probably a uh, little relief when uh, you finished up your two years as chairman and uh, could get back to business then. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it was such a whirlwind. I barely remember it. And uh, I enjoyed the chairmanship so much more because Butita was in charge. Wire was in charge. And I could coast. <laughs> nice. Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. So uh, I would not relive the experience any other way. Right. No, I mean, and look, we're uh, we're fortunate to have somebody like you who uh, – 
who took that on. And I mean, it would have been very easy for you to said, no, I'm sorry, I just can't do it. And I just can't give that much time to it. But I mean, you stepped up to the plate and, uh, and kept the association going. And, and I don't think that there's, you know, there's, there's, there's going to be a lot of people involved with Narset today who weren't around then that, uh, you know, we can, uh, we can tell this story and talk about it. And so they have an appreciation for, uh, you know, how you kept the organization going for the future, you know, so, you know. I, I, I just know, I, you know, from, from hearing the war stories, I know my primary, my primary motivation is to keep Mark happy so I don't have to be the next Don Hart. There you go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Call me, Bobby. I'll tell you what, what not to do. <laughs> Don, let's, let's, uh, let's get off in our, so let's talk, let's talk about your business. Um, you know, what is your, uh, what does your business look like today compared to, you know, 10 years ago? <laughs> a lot different. Yeah. <laughs> How about one okay. year ago? <laughs> okay. So ten, 10 years ago, um, we were probably 18 employees just starting in the DPF business. Um, bring it fast forward to night 2019. Uh, we have three locations doing DPF plus our main location doing the radiator shop, uh, 42, 43 employees, and just working weekends, overtime, and then all of a sudden, guess what happens? COVID and the oil price, oil market dumps. So us being in Houston, we're not, we were not 100% invested in uh, the oil field, but our business turned down about 30 38% from 19 to 20. But we're survivors. We've survived. We still have about 30 on staff. And uh, we're doing what we have to do to uh, build business back up again, get back to 2019 levels. And that's sort of the nature of being kind of in the oil patch in, in the South and Louisiana and Texas is, is, is having these cycles of boom and bust with regards to oil. How do, you, how, do you, how do you manage that all through the years? Or how did your family manage that? Well, you know, it's, it, it, it is history. We do have history with, with it. I remember in 1982, I was in East Texas working for my brother-in-law, and I was actually running a second shop he had that dealt, their big, our biggest customer was an oil field pipe manufacturer, Lone Star Steel. And one day the truck just quit running up and down the road. And uh, uh-oh, what do we do? You know, I think that was really the first big bus in the oil field. Um, we survived it. We went through a couple of more recessions in the oil field. And thank goodness, my knowledge or back knowledge of it, we made sure we had enough diversity diversified into enough industries such as the DPF and the emissions industry. Uh, we're into power gen in Houston uh, because they're not going to shut down hospitals or water plants or anything like that. So we actually worked ourselves hard to diversify into other industries so that when the oil field busted again, which it did, uh, we could survive and uh, we could move on. So and that's what we're doing. And I think that's such an important part of being able to survive all these market changes, whether it's whether it's the automotive going to boxes and 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 all the more sort of market shifts in the industry is diversifying. And I think people have to realize that radiator shops have a have a very uh, unique skill set. And if you could find complementary products 
and services that are not directly related to whether it be if you're just into trucks or you're just into the oil field exactly. or whatever it might be, that is a real great place to be. And it might not be an important part of your business at the beginning, but it might be what saves you when you have an inevitable downturn in any one of the sectors in your business. Exactly. Exactly. And the, the DPF business, even though it's off probably 35% because of the oil field, no trucks, trucks not moving pipe or materials or anything, uh, it still has helped us survive. Uh, the the tr trucking business in general, I don't, we don't sell a lot of boxes, but we do sell a few. Um, you know, we run pickup and delivery trucks uh, one direction, 200 miles away from us. So pickup and delivery and expansion over an area covered is important too. Um, so that has really helped us survive also is not just depending on Houston, but we depend on areas of industrial or agriculture or whatever outside of Houston also. In my business, in when I had my SNF radiator in New Jersey and we first started doing DPFs, one of the things I always thought about is that like, yeah, I, this allows me to expand my territory because if I have to go pick up a DPF 70 or 80 miles away from me, that DPF is paying for the fuel and the, and, and, and that driver and anything else along that way yep. is all gravy yep. and profit. So, That's right. so I, 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 I love these complementary business and they really allow you to expand your footprint. And, that, and that's really a good point that you, you've brought up with that. I never thought of it that way. Well, one other thing we did, we, we also partnered with some other companies, uh, one company in particular that rebuilds alternators and starters, and they actually run trucks statewide. So we actually partnered with them to move some of the product for us. Um, and that has actually helped also. So you really, we could say that we are doing work statewide as far as DPS and smaller radiators because of their shuttle service. So it's, I think it's important for a shop owner to look at partners out there in the field that can help them survive. That's a great idea. You know, I would encourage the people that are listening to this podcast who don't belong to NARSA to just understand what, what Don just said that i mean that one little tip could be yes sir i mean a huge advantage if you can partner with somebody in your in your town or in your in your locale to be able to expand your footprint without having to take on the full expense of a full-time driver and one or two two trucks i mean that that's just a great idea don yeah and it's back to what bobby said it doesn't cost us there's no overhead involved in that yeah, we don't we give them huge discounts, but you know what? That's working our shop, though. It's still working our shop. Yeah, yeah. Don, what do you th was the was the gas tank renew your first real uh, step in diversification uh, years it ago? It was. It was. Uh, gas tank renew has been a godsend. Um, it's not a huge profit center, but it's steady work, and it's steady work out of into a whole nother industry. A lot of it is into the car restoration industry, but I think as much car restoration work we do, we do as much in hydraulic tanks, fuel tanks on machinery. Um, just, I mean, we have really oddball stuff comes through the shop and that actually helped us uh, diversify as well. Yes, gas tank renew has is, is been a huge plus. And what I what I find with these like value added sort of related but unrelated products 
is that it just gives you another avenue to get into that client that you've always had difficulty getting into. You say, you go over there and say, hey, I have truck radiators. I already got a guy for that. Well, I got charge air coolers. I already got a guy for that. Well, I do a gas tank renew. Oh, really? Oh, okay, great. And now you got an in there and now you can go and, and when you offer that good service and they get to know you for that, that's when you get the opportunity for the you other bet. products. I've used that throughout my career to great success. I think a lot of our shop owners out there, they're still open to do that. They know they have to, and they've looked for avenues. And it's back to where, you know, where I found out about Gas Tank Renew? It's through NARSA. Yeah, and yeah. building not only going into the franchise, but building more peers because a lot of half of the Gas Tank Renew franchise had nothing to do with the radiator business. They were in auto repair or something else. So it, it kind of took me into some different industries to learn about. And do I want to pursue some of this? Do I not want to pursue some of this? And it's been beneficial for our company. Yeah. Hey, Don, let's let's uh, let's pivot a little bit. Let's shift. I think that you have a couple of uh, of children in the business working with you now, right? How about how about let me back up and give you a little history lesson on the radiator business. So in my 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 father and um, they, they were good. My mother and father were great people. They adopted four of us. They have two real children of their own and adopted four of us. So I feel blessed just from the start in my foot on earth. But his, his father, his grandfather, a couple of his uncles, they were blacksmiths in Fort Worth in 1910. Uh, from what history tells me, and not just from family, but it's from some old guys from the industry too. Um, the, it was Eccles. Their names were Eccles. Uh, they sent two of the uncles to Henry Ford for six months to build radiators to learn that trade. They came back to Fort Worth, and as blacksmiths, they opened the first radiator shop in Texas, from what I understand, from what history tells us. So that family, one of the brothers ended up going to San Angelo, where Permian Basin was starting to take off in the oil field and huge agriculture area there. Uh, which is West Texas. And then one of the uncles came to Houston and opened up a shop in Houston in 1928. My father followed him here. That was Uncle Zach uh, and lived with them and learned the radiator business from Zach Eccles. And my dad opened his shop up in 1948, downtown Houston, uh, sold out to my brother, John, in 1969 reopened a shop up in the country in 1971. That was my real exposure to the radiator business uh, was him in his little small country shop to have something to do, make a few dollars. Mm -hmm. uh, went to work for my brother in 76, worked there till 81, worked for Leroy Linshausen at East Texas Radiator from 81 to 85, opened up here in 1985. And it's back to where we talked about diapers in the shop because <laughs> my children, we had a playpen in the office that my children were raised in our shop because both myself and my wife took both of us to make the shop work and to make, make a living. So they literally grew up in the industry whenever they left high school, went to college. Dad will never come back and work for you again, ever and ever, ever. Well, you know, famous last words, all three of them have worked for me again. <laughs> well, I know, uh, I know Thomas and Liz, but I, there's a third. There is a third, Rebecca. She's a kindergarten teacher and she kind of did her 10 years in teaching and burnout. And she came back for kind of an interim little bit, but she's really not in the business. I do have her working on some minor projects for me, business related. Hold on, hold on a second. Don, in my experience in the business, being a kindergarten teacher 
would be a lot of experience would be a great training to deal with shop guys you, i don't know you, about know, you, you know mark. <laughs> you got it if if mark had a experience as a kindergarten teacher probably wham g wouldn't have formed you know what's funny she could get our guys to focus <laughs> i don't know how she did it she can make them focus on her <laughs> but funny thing you funny thing you say that because we've always said we run an adult uh, playground daycare is what we yeah. run our business is an adult play, uh, daycare right, what it right. Is. so uh, no offense guys i love all of you <laughs> anyway yes uh both of them had lives in other industries uh my daughter was in the hospitality industry working for um communities and subdivisions uh my son was a uh, golf pro making a lot of money working a lot of hours <laughs> uh and we his first child come along uh he had to find a real job so he came back to work for me my daughter was already working for me running my office and uh man i guess thomas has been with me for seven years now eight years and elizabeth has been with me for 11 years so uh they're back in the industry they're taking over uh they're giving me some time off and they say dad just go home <laughs> <laughs> we don't need you here go home you're bothering Let's us come up with an acronym for you having to yeah. leave <laughs> so they have allowed me to do my projects on the business but not in the business they've kind of taken over a lot of the daily stuff i do have uh, a couple of great people in house that have been with me for many years i've got one gentleman named tyrone tolder that has been with me for 20 six or 27 years. He's my industrial shop foreman. Um, I've got a guy named Louis Zabawa that is my uh, solder up for shop foreman. Uh, Jack Gregory is my general manager as far as over service. Uh, he's been with me for, man, 16 years, 17 years now. Uh, I've got a great group of guys and they're all willing to train younger people to move into their space. So we actually have some training programs going on for younger guys in both running a torch and doing industrial uh, repair, heat exchange repair, that kind of stuff. That's so important because I try to tell uh, the young guys or the guys in my organization, and, and, and we focus on this a lot, that basically if, if you feel that you have some sort of job security by not teaching anyone, basically you've just kept yourself from ever getting promoted. Because you, you, have, you have, you know, and I think a lot of times they need to understand that, hey, if you take this responsibility and teach the next generation that allows me to bring you along to bigger and better things. And it does. And we exactly use that terminology per se in our business to get these older guys that are, you know, they're like us, they're grumpy at times or all the time, <laughs> but they <laughs> have been willing. They see that the workload on them gets lighter and their paycheck gets a little heavier because they've got guys helping them turn out work. And uh, we, we're a performance paid company and uh, it's, it's worked well for us. Uh, I'm not sure it works well for everybody, but it's worked well for us. Don, that's funny that you should bring that up. Um, how long have you been uh, performance paid? How long, uh, when did know, you buy into back, that? Back to my NARSA days. And I actually from making peers in our business and doing some business classes um, kind of promoted by NARSA. I just tell them, hey, you know, you turn this much work, you're going to get this many more dollars, but actually show them on paper and then show them on their checkbook that, you know, if you put in a full 40 hours instead of being here 40 hours and actually working 30 hours, uh, 
you can benefit from it in your paycheck. And they've seen that happen. They've seen it where they can actually even fluctuate their hours and not work as many hours because they've taken on and trained people to do their job or help them assist them in their job. And they've kind of taken a leadership role. So, uh, you know, it's, it's back to the NARSA days. And I've, I've really gained this knowledge through NARSA and through putting my efforts in not only to learn, but to volunteer and to give back to others. Uh, that's how we've been able to do this in our business and, and be a very valuable business in this industry. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's great to hear you say that. We, we did that. I tell everybody all the time that uh, when I still own my company, everybody, everybody but the drivers were on some type of an incentive plan, and they got paid according to what they did, whether it was, you know, box sales or it was working in the shop and uh, having to, uh, you know, pump out repairs. But I believed in that, um, you know, for for a long time that. The more efficient you are, uh, the better you get at your job, the more money you should be able to make. So that's refreshing to hear you say that. Um, well, you know, I watched that system. it happen in my brother's era where you got paid per hour, whether you turned $100 or $50, you still got the same pay. And they saw him. Well, I shouldn't go into that, but I saw how that was a defeatist attitude and a defeatist way to work business. And, you know, these guys, they earn a living. Let them earn a living. Let, let them be part of the company. And I think that's why we have some long term employees that had prior, you know, work a job four or five years, then move to another job, then move to another job. And when they get here, they stay with us because uh, we, we share, you know, we 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 believe in our guys and we want them to do well too. And we want their families yeah. to do well. Yeah. I always said that, uh, I think, um, I don't know where I heard it, but somewhere, and it really stuck with me over, over the years that uh, I owed my business was that if you help people get what they want, you'll get what you want. So if you yep. put them yep. first and you look out for them, then you know what they'll look out for you, and that—that's pretty much Absolutely. the way I think life works. Yeah, so it's—it's—it's it's, it's, yeah, it's great to—it's great to hear that. Uh, any big mistakes that you made over the years? Any failures <laughs> during your career in the radiator business? That uh, any well, great stories to say? You had to go home and and tell your wife, uh, uh, honey, I did this today, and uh, we just lost this, or uh, <laughs> yeah, yes, all the above. <laughs> you know, I will say that I'm, I'm fortunate. I don't have to turn a key every day, but, uh, I'm still working. <laughs> so I'm sure there's some mistakes I made. Uh, you know, I, I had some, some back surgery two years ago and I had my knees replaced. So I pretty much had been laid up for two years. I don't like retirement. I don't like, what am I going to do today? I, I can't stand that. I got to have something to do. And I think that that little setback has proven to me that I've got a mission to compete, complete here yet. And it's to continue to build this business for my, my children and my employees and to make sure that they have security. And I feel bad about what's happened this last year. I really feel bad, but uh, we're starting to talk about callbacks. Thank goodness. Uh, bringing some of the guys back uh, as, as business picks up. But, you know, uh, mistakes in my in my lifetime, um, I did buy a business on Ego one time that liked to broke me. Uh, this was back in 98, whenever 
I took that on, took on NARSA president. Then, you know, things fell, fell, fell out. Um, <clears throat> I do my due diligence now. If I ever look to purchase another business, which I have purchased a couple since then, um, they taught me some lessons. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big risk taker. So there's been a lot of times I come on, honey, I bought this today. We'll see if it works or not. And <laughs> sometimes it works. Sometimes it's going in the scrap bin, you know? <laughs> so I have had my ups and downs like everybody else. Uh, I have let my ego get in the way a lot of times. And I tell other people, don't do that. Do your due diligence, work things out in a business standpoint and take emotion out of it. Uh, yeah, I have made my mistakes. We've suffered over the years, uh, but that's why you have mistakes. You learn from your failures and you make things better for everybody around you. Yeah. Well said. Well said, Don. Uh, Bobby, you have uh, anything more that uh, you want to ask Don? Uh, I'll tell, I want to, I, I want to say, what was that? What was that business? What type of business was it that, that, uh, that, that the ego took over. So I, I make sure I don't do the same thing. <laughs> uh, it was an auto repair and radiator business that I bought in Houston. It was a competitor of ours, but as a competitor of everybody else in Houston, especially of my brother, <laughs> a long time thorn in his side. And maybe it was a way to get back for something in the past. I don't know, but there again, I let the ego get in the way and uh, I didn't do my due diligence. And uh, it, like to put us in the poorhouse, but uh, thank goodness I figured it out eight years later, uh, six years later, and uh, reverse things. And you know, here we are today. Mark, Mark, Mark always says, Ego is not your amigo. That's right, that is it. <laughs> I took me a long time to learn that. I still, I still fight me too. Hey, Don. I, you know, there's been a lot of people in 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 my career uh, that I've met uh, through NARSA and, and just through my personal life that have really, I could point to a handful of them that have really helped me become, you know, successful and 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 where I'm at today. Is there anybody in particular that you could point to over the course of your career or a group of people that have really kind of helped you get where you are today? The probably the one biggest thing has been the family of NARSA. Uh, through that family, I have learned and grown as a person as well as a business owner. Uh, but I mentioned Bruce Huffman earlier. He was the first person I ever met going to a NARSA convention. Uh, he had a no fear attitude. I learned no fear from him. You know, just let's go do it. We can get it done. Uh, George Farner, past president, uh, he's the one that convinced me to put in outside salesman. And that was a blessing in disguise, even though I did not know how I'd pay an outside salesman. Uh, I learned from mistakes hiring outside salesmen to the point where we, we, we now have professional outside salesmen, but they have been a big help in our business. Uh, Jim Butita, a businessman, he's a mentor, Dave Dahl, a leader, a mentor. Uh, Dan Sullivan got me into the gas tank renew business. Although, you know, a Texas boy talking to a guy from Michigan wasn't always the best thing around, but uh, we have become lifelong friends and he helped me get established and helped me in more ways than just here's a business, take it and run with it or a franchise. He actually supports, it's unbelievable how much Dan Sullivan has supported 
not only myself, but all the gas tank renew dealers. And I don't think he's ever gotten credit for that. So I want to shout out to Dan. Uh, and I have some peers here, not only you two guys, but guys here locally like Van Smith, the David yeah. Daryl Bippert, Fred Romero, who I leaned on a lot in the early years. He was my David Benvenu. Oh, uh, don't, don't, don't get red, call Fred. That was there his, you that, go. That, that, <laughs> Something that, like that. That was what, that was, what was on his, uh, his facility yeah. in uh, New Iberia. That's correct, New Iberia. <laughs> M- M- uh, Mark, Mark, Mark and I went to visit Fred in New Iberia, and we went into one of these old, uh, uh, like lunch, like lunch counters, and Mark and 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 Mark order, orders a uh, an omelet, and she goes, and he goes, can you put the grits inside the omelet? And she looked at him, and she says, you want to put the grits inside the omelet? And he says, yes. She goes, well, where are you from, sir? And he says, Maryland. She goes, hmm, that explains it. <laughs> I'm surprised they even talk English. I'm surprised it wasn't French that they were talking in that <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> uh, but, you know, other people that helped me, you know, my family have helped me, even though we had rifts through the years. Uh, my brother, John, helped me tremendously as a somebody to look up to. My brother-in-law, Leroy Linsize in East Texas, you know, he helped me, taught me a lot. Uh, and, you know, it really kind of taught me I want to get to their level and beyond their level. And that was kind of a driving force, a little, you know, family competition, uh, sometimes friendly, sometimes maybe not friendly. That's old history though. It's all done. <laughs> and my family, my children for giving me something to strive for and to give me a reason to, to work, give me a reason to be successful. Um, but also the men in my shop, uh, you know, their family, uh, I've got several of them. I call my sons from another mother because that they truly are. So, if anybody has helped me throughout this career, it's been the people, a lot of the people that's worked for me that have believed in me. I've believed in them and we've helped each other get down the road. Yeah. Well, that another, another, uh, another great statement, Don. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more that I think anybody, when you look at, at somebody has attained some success in business, it's definitely because of the people that they've uh, been on that journey with. Absolutely. You know? For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. You're, you're not going to make it by yourself. That's where the ego got to get out the way because you're not going to make it <laughs> by yourself. You've got to have people it. help you along the way. Bobby, do you have anything else for Don? I, I'm all, uh, I mean, we could go on for hours here, yeah, I'm but sure. uh, <laughs> I, 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 I'm all set. And I, I Don, I, I look forward to seeing you. Hopefully we're looking to have an event in the fall okay. in, somewhere in Texas uh, is what it's looking like. And, and, uh, We'd love to to see you in person again and uh, maybe take a tour of your shop or whatnot, but it'd be- uh, Love to have you in. You exactly. Bet. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I'd like to thank our guest, Don Hart, for being on Solder and Soot, our Nars Idea podcast. And I'd like to thank the listeners for tuning in. If you can, if you get a chance, uh, please go on and give us a review um, wherever you list the podcast, whether that be Spotify, uh, iTunes, or Anchor. And I just want to chime in and say, if you have listened to this podcast today and you're not a NARSA IDEA member and something in this podcast uh, leads you to believe that this might be something that could help you grow your business, we would love to have you join NARSA IDEA. So you can, you can go to our website, narsa-idea.org, and become a member today. We would, uh, we would love to have you. 
Also, I'd like to let you know about our webinar series, Lunch and Learn. Each month, we're going to have two topics. One topic that has to do with the cooling system business, and the other topic will have to do with diesel emissions. And it's 45 minutes once a month, so please uh, join us for that. You can go to narsa-idea.org to find out more about Lunch and Learn. So that's it for this episode. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you again.